Welcome to the Kiss Marketing Solution Podcast, where we're dedicated to bringing marketing and business knowledge that gets real results. This episode is brought to you by our free social media roadmap. Head to kissmarketing.com.au forward slash free to get your hands on this plus so much more. And now here's your host educator and marketing queen, Sonia McIntyre-Reed. Zach Hayes from the Business Wealth Collective and HA Accounting and a number of other businesses, but I'm going to get him to tell you all about that. I first connected with Zach last year, believe it or not, at one of my workshops in Albury. Um, and we had a great chat after that social media workshop. So he's doing some amazing things. He's young, he's hungry, and he's crushing it at the moment if you don't mind me saying that. Zach, thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Sonia. Much appreciated. Um, it's it's great to be here and talk about all things business. Yeah, I love it. All right. So Zach is actually a really, and um, it's probably a funny way of saying it, but you're a really unique case. So I think it's probably best rather than me trying to do it justice. Why don't you tell me a little bit about who you are, your background and all of the pies you have your fingers in? Not a problem. Um, Okay, so I'm an accountant first and foremost by trade. Uh, Done the university degree, you know, very stereotypical starting story in that sense. Uh, And then I went back and also did a financial planning degree and half a law degree. So from there it sort of really gave me a really good read on how, obviously numbers in itself, but then also how we can use them to either predict future, look at past to maybe assess and also, I guess, tailor-make plans, whether it be wealth or business. Um, And then from there, I've gone on to start obviously an accounting firm, a business development uh, practice firm, and a financial planning as well, which is uh, HA Accounting, Configure Business Solutions, and Limitless Financial Services. So because there's all these different things and it's so hard to sit down and actually explain to people what I do, I um, created the Business and Wealth Collective, which will I guess, house um, as the group head and have all the different companies that sort of really help people identify what they need in both business and wealth. Um, And that way we can really pull levers and triggers across, I guess, the range of different industries that really make impacts on people's lives. Uh, And then lastly, uh, which makes me a bit more unique than most, would be the, uh, I actually am the CEO of a travelling podiatry uh, company as well. So we've got around 11 locations at the moment um, and constantly expanding. So my partner's a podiatrist and we couldn't get him a job. So we created the traveling podiatrist and that's uh, a little over two years ago. And I think we've got over 1800 patients now in that arm. So that's sort of grown just as quickly, <laughs> which has been a bit crazy, but I think it's really sort of uh, made me understand and realise that I can put into practice not you know, only my industry but in a range of different industries, um, seeing that all these different techniques, whether it be organisation charts, structures, business development tactics, they work in every industry. You just have to tailor make it and step back and go, what am I actually trying to achieve? And making sure that you're identifying your values and purpose when you're actually setting out to do anything in business. Yeah, that's So that's amazing. a little bit about me. <laughs> 
I, I love that you've sort of taken all of this because essentially at the end of the day, like you're working with people in an accounting and finance point of view, but then you've taken what you've learned and you're building this other business as well and putting everything into practice and seeing how it all works. So has that been a bit of a shift in perspective for you from what you've learned and the advice you give people to then going and taking it and seeing what is moving the needle most in this podiatry business? Definitely. I think in terms of like, I think a lot of people will see accountants as just number crunches. And I think I've always perceived myself as being more than that. And I think what I've been able to do is walk my talk and going, hey, I can not only you know do this as an accountant working for another firm, but I can create my own firm and do this. But then I've really gone outside my wheelhouse and done it in an industry where I certainly didn't initially know a lot about. Um, I'm certainly not a foot person and some of the images that crop up in my day-to-day job now are a bit interesting and intriguing. Um, But I think it's in terms of people then get that buy-in to go, hang on, you actually do understand business. And when you understand business, how you do that is actually understanding people at their core. Um, And that's something that's been a learning process and in the last six months in particular, I've certainly honed in on, I guess, uh, wellness, uh, mental health um, and positive psychology in regards to that to really turn from just a business owner in different businesses but now as a business leader to understand and actually motivate people that work in my organisations and work with me because they're they're my team and I certainly wouldn't be able to do what I do without them. So uh, in terms of that, I think it's just making sure that I'm being congruent with walking my talk and and no matter what happens with the speed bumps along the way, it's making sure that I'm very much across going, this is our purpose, these are our values and this is what we need to do to achieve our vision and making sure that we're being really consistent with that across the board, no matter what business I'm working in, even as a consultant under the accounting umbrella or the business development umbrella in different organisations such as medical or trades or construction, transport. It doesn't matter what industry it is, it's very much the same. Yeah, I love that. I think there's a lot of people out there in all industries that are just all talk. Um, but you certainly aren't, which is good. I just want to go back to the accounting side of things quickly. So like, it's a really tough industry to crack, right? Especially regional areas. People spend 40 years plus with the same accounting firm, right? People are super loyal. People go to their family's lawyer or accountant or financial planner or whatever it might be. Take me back to the early days when you decided to go out on your own. How on earth did you do that? How did you even get a foot in the door? Because how old were you when you started your business? I think I was 24. So I was one of Australia's youngest registered tax agents. I think I was 22 or 23 at the time. Um, And then I sort of was really struggling with the traditionalisms in my industry. Um, So... I had a client base that I was, wasn't was under a non-compete that I could uh, take because I brought into the firm mm-hmm. uh, and it was ha- happened to be the equivalent of my salary, which maybe was a good thing and it sort of maybe gave me that extra security blanket to make that jump. But I guess for me it was going identifying 
what I was actually wanting to do with my life and what's my purpose. And I think I could see that I could help so many different people in different ways outside, I guess, the the barriers of, of the traditionalism of this is an accountant's role. Um, this is what I need to do for my day job. So I've gone, all right, I need to bite the bullet and, and do that. So starting a firm with 50 clients and just crossing your fingers and hoping is essentially what happened. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> At least you're so, honest. It's what a lot yeah, of us do. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, a bit of blind faith. But I think it's really important that from the very early onset, people really bite into into me, you know, the fact that I had 50 clients at the age of, you know, 23, 24 um, meant that I could go, okay, this is exactly what I'm, what I'm about and this is how I want to help you. So obviously being a little bit younger, being social media savvy and things like that, just using social media as the, the word of mouth amplifier mm-hmm. rather than going, you know, in the traditional sense of here's all this Facebook advertising, I've been very big on making it centered around some of my values. So one of my core values is like support and community. So I made my social media about that and, and about education and knowledge. So sharing what I knew for free um, for people to be intrigued and interested. Um, can and you, I look, can you not, give me an example of say some of the content that you were sharing? So I love that you're saying you're giving away your information for free. Give me an example of a post. So, for instance, what, one of the things that I noticed in my early days was that wealth accumulation tactics, like getting back to basics. So, this is like before Barefoot Investor was like really big or it's just starting in that space to get really big. Um, so, one of the things that we, we spoke about is, you know, some, some budgeting tips to go, hey, if you're struggling here, this is something you should be doing or, you know, what earning some passive side income might look like for you in three years' time if you were start to start today. Um, just little things along the way with, I guess, aimed at my generation as well to say, hey, if you look at doing things outside the box, outside the traditional norms of the nine-to-five job, maybe this is the impact it could have on your life now in three years' time and imagine if you didn't have a mortgage by the time you were 30. Mm, so really you were you were marketing to people like you that had similar values and ambitions to you perhaps. Do you think that's why it was easy for you to get your message across on social media? I think so. And not only that, when you're so, let's face it, when you find a, an extremely energetic, passionate person, you either love them or hate them. Mm-hmm. I think I walk into a room generally and uh, there's generally two sides of the fence. I can be pretty loud and extroverted um, in a social setting. So for me, I use social media the same. You know, people are either going to really buy into the message and go, hey, I I need to speak to you, I want to buy into that message, or that's not for me and that's okay. I I don't mind, um, I guess, putting myself out there in the ring, as Brene Brown says, and, and being judged, getting battered and bruised a bit. Oh, and you know what? I think that's the secret to social media though. Like you're not a fence sitter. You've got a clear message and it might be polarizing for some people, but it's getting cut through. Um, and I think now that I've sort of headed towards more the leadership space in my industry, the conversations that are having, that, you know, that I'm having on Twitter, you know, calling people out when I don't necessarily agree in a respectful way, obviously, but 
I think it's making sure that my brand and my message is really on point. So it's making sure. So one of my New Year's resolutions this year was to make sure that I always keep in mind my purpose and values. If it doesn't align with them, drop it. Stop doing what doing that. So I won't pick up that speaking gig or I won't um, take on that business as a client or negotiate a contract with said people that don't align with me. And I think that's really important. Um, and as a, I guess, a startup business, we tend to be yes sayers a lot. Um, and I was, I did the same thing when I started. So I said yes to everybody. <laughs> and then I had to do like, a, I guess, a bit of a, I call it like a combing culture. We had to comb out all the knots that you sort of said yes to along the way. Um, and that's something that I would sort of really sort of try and get a lot of my clients that I work with now to understand what they're saying yes to. They're saying yes to bad culture in 12 months' time um, or, you know, that frustration because you've taken on a client that you know that you, you might need the cash flow but you know that you're going to have the headaches and potentially damage your brand because that person, when things aren't, it's not working out, is talking around town that you're not necessarily doing the best job that you could. Oh, and that's applicable to every business, isn't it? Like I look back on some of the people that I said yes to and the stress that it caused me, it just was never worth the cash flow at the end of the day. But I think when you're just starting out, even if you've been in the industry for a long time, unless it's your own business, I don't think you learn to recognize those red flags until, I don't know, a few years in, to be honest. Whereas now I can have a conversation or even know almost instantly even via email whether or not they're going to be a good fit for us. Yep, definitely. And even communication, like I know I'm an absolute shocker. So a client that requires like a high level of articulate emails a lot of the time, um, I've got a senior manager that takes those clients on because she's wired that way, which is great, um, but I can get up to 300 emails a day. So mm-hmm. to me, it's like if someone requires that level of a, a, a articulate attention I call it um it's not a good use of my headspace I don't mind having a conversation while I'm making my coffee um you know doing certain things throughout the day um because to me that's easy I can have that conversation understand the context around it to then be able to talk the decision through make some notes when I've got a little bit more time and and move on someone that requires you know 10 emails backwards and forwards I actually find really frustrating so to me, it's making sure that I'm teaming my team up to sort of amplify my weaknesses with their strengths. Um, so therefore, and what I mean by that is I'm actually amplifying to say to the client, here, here are my weaknesses, but I have an amazing team that has this, this is their strength. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be a really good fit for you. It's not saying that you can't have me in my business, um, but it's saying that these guys are actually going to be a better fit for you um, because that's where I lack is what, what that, the attention that you need. And that's sort of another conversation that I have with clients at that two to five year mark when they're trying to build that team to sort of work a little bit less to go, hey, this is something, that the conversations that you can have, you can actually um, build up your weaknesses via the strengths of your team to say as like a selling point, as a marketing point to actually grow your team and give them the confidence and consumer confidence 
when you're selling to your existing clients trying to transition and hand over. Oh, I love that so much. And I've recently hired someone to do something very similar because I'm the same as you, that backward and forward and the constant, I call it hand-holding. Um, I think you've, <laughs> you've said it a lot nicer than I have, but even just having that conversation around hey, this person's amazing at doing this to that client, I think is something that I'm going to walk away from this interview and go and do because I'm sure you feel a lot of the time that people just want you, but I think selling it to clients in that way is really important. Um, You are a massive believer in like using technology within businesses and accounting, right? So, Obviously, I think you and I had a chat um, after my workshop about my dad, for example, has a number of businesses and he's so old school, like he prints out all of his receipts, puts them in folders, that kind of thing. Um, How does that conversation go for you and what what are you sort of using technology to make business owners' lives easier? Any tips for us around that? So a lot of business owners will come to me because they're not being serviced in in a certain capacity. So one of them might be obviously tax minimization and things like that. But generally it falls with, within what I call like a, a, a triangle seesaw. So they either need more time, more mind freedom, um, so less stress, or more money, more cash flow. So to me what we do is we tailor the discussion about that. So if it's more cash flow, sometimes it's identifying, let's say that a business debtors might be up. We need an automated system. So using zero, using, um, you know, things like the pay now function with an Integra pay or um, PayPal, Stripe, you know, there's heaps out there. Um, But also then the automatic invoice reminders and things like that as well. Um, so making sure that we're systemizing that debt collection process and payment collection process, making sure that their cash flow is fixed. If it's more time, sometimes it's because what they do is they work in their business nine to five and they, they work in their operations department. They're fantastic at it, but then they spend three hours a night doing administration, doing their finance hat, maybe jumping on some social media for marketing, or they might have an outsourced person that they need to respond to. They're not actually structuring their business to actually do these things between their nine to five because they're too busy in operations. They don't seem to value the other hats in the organization. And sometimes the other hats rather than ops are more important at a particular time. So it's making sure they understand it, walking them through that process and go, you know what, if you're not passionate about it, outsource it. Sometimes you can outsource it to software rather than actually a person or a company. Mm. Um so, for instance, with our podiatry and allied health space, what we do um, is we've got about six different add-ons. We're in 11 locations. We've got podiatrists everywhere. You know, sometimes we've got them going into hot people's homes and stuff like that. So, we've got security concerns and all those sort of things. We need live chats. We need to know where they are at any given point. We need GPS data to make sure that they're going to be okay or if they're, they're not responding to us on call, we know where they are. Um, so there's things that we can do and there's heaps of software out there that we've then streamlined and automated. So it's saved an entire person and then the podiatrists that are in ops wasting their time communicating back. Um, I could go on and on and on, but I think it's really important that, you know, we understand, you know, what sort of in that time, in that period, it might be stress even, but then we also then tailor make, uh, systems around people's purpose, around their values, 
but also their organisation hat structure. Where are their strengths and weaknesses in themselves as leaders and business owners and their team if they've got one? Um, you know, some team members are, if you t- look in terms of, say, disc profiling, for instance, some of them can be quite dominant and direct and, you know, very full on. So it's making sure that we're then KPI and system frameworking to make sure that that particular employee knows exactly what they need to do and they've got frameworks to work with and maybe some autonomy as well to feel like they've got a sense of belonging. The next thing could be that they're really highly emotional. They're really empathetic, but they, you know, might be a little bit too empathetic and not getting the t- enough tasks done or taking things really emotionally. So setting some things like some communication in communications in place like if if they then don't necessarily like 100 million emails it's making sure that we're systemized a team meeting for instance um you know as i said we've run remote locations as well so we needed to use zoom um monday and a range of different other apps and applications but also taking into account the personality types that we're working with as well so really sort of it really comes down to so many different factors but it's making sure that you're just consciously aware of some of these things when you're putting them into practice there's no point just going hey this is an awesome system if only one person knows how to use it or one person finds it valuable and the rest don't um so many times i see a business owner implementing a system and just expect the team to pick it up but you've got to get the team buy-in before you implement you've got to make them feel like they've got a sense of belonging autonomy um, that they have the, the powers, I guess, to be feel innovative within their job. If, if you're taking that away through software, then that's going to be potentially a real issue, a cultural issue. You might not identify it at the time, but it could come back to bite you in six or 12 months' time. Mm, definitely. And I think a lot of the time, and I've been guilty of this, I'll sign up to these tools, subscriptions, different technologies and things, and... I haven't taught my team how to use them or I'm just paying the subscription and I'm not actually using it to its full capacity as well, which I think for a lot of these sort of business models um, with these tools and subscriptions, it's great for them, but it's not so good for us. So we need to make sure we be using them. I just want to take a step back quickly um, and talk about your podiatry side of things. What, okay, so you've, you've started from scratch with this two years ago, right? You've now got 11 locations. That's insane. Um, what was it that, like, how do you get clients and has that changed now that you're sort of more established? What's moved the needle in that business? Um, I think it was the, the needle moves through stages as well, stages of the growth. So one thing that I've been, I did subconsciously, I didn't realize I was doing this, um, including the accounting firm was, I was very clear on my purpose and why in each of the, the businesses, um, and the values that I used to, I guess, perpetuate that and how we ran the company internally and externally. So one of them could have been, I've spoken about the values of support um, and education. One could be responsibility, but that's not just the, the ordinary definition. It's to ourselves, to our work, to our clients, to be responsive, so quick, but without compromise where we're not making mistakes. So then we're using that value in how we deal with the team internally and externally, how we communicate on social media is really important as well. So if one of the things is wellness within the podiatry. So 
we're talking about the wellness of people, wellness of community. We're making sure that on our social media, we're telling our story about our purpose and our values. Really important. And people really buy into that, especially I find more so in regional Australia than they do in metropolitan for some reason. Um, because I think especially if you, you centre around that community mindset, people buy in they, and then they'll comment. Um, strangely enough, um, the podiatry has a higher level of engagement than the accounting firm does, even though the accounting firm is nearly three times the size on socials. Mm. Um, and ironically, it's all the older people um, commenting and going, hey, that's some great advice, you know, great tips or can't wait to see you when we're posting events and we're in, when we're in locations. Um, people really buy in the fact that we're actually providing really valuable services, but really personable and, I guess, value-based services as well. It's not just going, hey, this is a valuable podiatry service in an area that needs it. It's very purpose-driven and values-based-driven. It's a it's people-first mentality and people and really will buy into that and talk about it. I think you're doing that with like all businesses that you're involved with. Like it's coming back to value and how you're actually making a difference for people. You're not just going, here's a service, you sign up for this service and that's it. It's quite, seems to me, it's quite a tailored approach that you're taking. And I'm actually wondering whether you're getting a lot more engagement sort of with the podiatry side of things because you're speaking to an audience that typically I don't think is addressed much on social media that older demographic I think a lot of the time they're forgotten definitely um definitely and I think they have a lot of value obviously target market wise um strangely enough it, we're only 50 50 like I think uh 50 percent of our clients are nearly under the age of 45 so but our social media engagement is like that 55 plus bracket <laughs> a lot mm. of the time um, and we're just changing some of our approaches now because the boys were posting too many gruesome feed photos. <laughs> so they're, they're banned from the social media page now. Do you know what? I feel like you're kind of like that Dr. P- um, pimple Popper version of feet from what you're oh, telling me. <laughs> oh, it was it was horrible. Do not look at our previous posts, people. Do not look at them. Okay, everyone, go, go check out their Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for us, it's about, that, as you said, that conversation and being community-minded. It's not about selling the service. It's about selling our values, selling why we do what we do. And, you know, most marketing books will tell you that, but a lot of the time they still somehow manage to sell their what and their how. Mm. They don't actually go why, but go further than that. Deep dive into your personal values, your core values as a business owner or that you've got implanted in your organisation. And if it's community, if it's support, education, you know, people first, listen, it could be a range of different things, making sure that you're actually being congruent, walking your talk with your values on your social media is incredibly important. Mm. You're not going to see it straight away, but I, look, I actually, you know what? That could be a lie because even with <laughs> TTP, um, you know, our first couple of posts started to really hit that mentality on the mark. It, it happened really quickly. Um, you know, as I said, we started this with no patience. It was literally uh, supposed to be a turn out to be a part-time job, maybe 10 patients a week. Mm-hmm. just so Scott could keep, keep his skills up while I was busy running my companies and we were going to game plan it in two years' time. Mm-hmm. Next minute, you know, we're running a business, you know, potentially a half a million dollar business So mm-hmm. in two years. So it comes down to going, okay, what are the things that we're actually trying to do and achieve? And it comes back to 
we're not trying to achieve massive profit. We've never set that business out to be highly and hugely profitable. What we did was we were providing really people-first value-based podiatry services in areas that needed them and to clients that couldn't actually potentially go and drive 70 kilometres or, you know, even to the local clinic. We, we were going into their homes to, to the ones that really needed it and that meant that their families would come and see us in the clinic. So it came to, oh, hang on, you know, we're actually going to use him because he'll come out at 6 o'clock at, at night and, you know, deal with my, my granddad's feet so we make sure that we go and support him locally as well. Um, oh, that's Isn't that great? And I feel like that's such a country mentality that you might not necessarily get in Melbourne or Sydney as well. Definitely. And I think, as I said, that it really that community mindset is incredibly important if you're in regional Australia. Um, it, it hasn't probably worked as much on the accounting side as it has in health. So mm-hmm. I, do, I sort of do this with a lot of my allied health professionals and it seems to go gangbusters. Um, but in my industry in particular, that really traditionalist, not only that, but I find a lot of business owners in some of the regions I am are in stereotypically that 50-plus bracket. There isn't a lot of entrepreneurs in regional Australia, which is saddening, but I'm hoping it'll change. You know, someone's got to advocate for it, so that's one of my big things. We're starting a movement, Zach. It's happening. It's coming. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and I think it's making sure that we're using that. So one of the things I'm looking at potentially bringing into Obrugodonga is a business and personal development conference, Um, things that you would normally only get to do in Melbourne and Sydney. You know, I've got some awesome managing directors and CEOs of ASX listed companies that want to jump on board and actually come down and speak. Um, And I think that's going to be incredibly important to make sure that we're educating regional Australians in some of the stuff and giving them access to some of the stuff that would stereotypically only be in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, So... You know, I think it's really important. Sometimes I do these things and through um, sitting on a board recently, um, I've picked up the chance to quote a really big local established business. Um, And that was never my intention. But, you know, six months later and we're all all of a sudden having a conversation and I think they were perfectly happy with their accountant. But they really liked what I stood for and they said, hey, I I think we need to to buy into to what you're doing because I think you could really help us in different ways to, I guess, the traditional service that they were receiving. Mm, that's fantastic. And again, that comes back to relationships in these regional communities as well. With um, your podiatry, so Allied Health, I've worked with sort of like a few chiropractors and osteos and things like that. And podiatry is the same. There are so many rules, right, around what you can and can't do. So I know you found a couple of ways to sort of circumnavigate things here and there, but has that, have you found that these sort of tight regulations have restricted you much? Or have you found ways around it? Definitely. What does that look like? Um, so APRA's regulations are quite stringent sometimes. Now, they've actually just released some really good practical guides that didn't exist, you know, a year or two ago um, with each of the different industries, you know, osteo. Um, I work with a lot of physios and podiatrists, obviously, um, mm-hmm. running a company with one you know, I can obviously relay that wisdom. So, and a couple of chiropractors as well. One of the things that I've found is generally um, 
allied health practitioners are, again, wearing the opt hat. They're generally very obviously science-based. They're very black, white. This is how the system should work because that's what they were taught how to use the system as, you know, it's black and white. You can't, you can't have testimonials. Well, no, you can't advertise testimonials. You can't put them on your website, this, that, the other. You can't ask clients to do that, but you can strategically place things or, you know, if clients are, you know, giving you reviews on Google and Facebook and things like that, you can't use them, but you can't stop them using an already existing platform either. So we strategically um, have certain things like um, on our computer screens, we roll through um a couple of different things and one of those might be a scroll down through our Facebook page which happens to have all our reviews. Mm. We're not advertising it because it's just a general scroll through but it's making sure that we are putting certain things and product placing in a way but we're not actually physically doing it. We're not spending any money. We're not advertising on our websites and stuff like that but we're strategically going, you know, hey, this is our business. This is what people are saying about us. Um through different mediums but we're not actually saying you know we're not asking anybody to do it certainly and we're not putting on our on our website we're not selling the review itself does that sort of make sense yeah and that's what definitely the regulations are about so there's a lot of creativity and, and um, gray area in regards to some of the way that the legislation's worded um, there's also a lot of I guess cult culture um, marketing programs and sales, um, in particularly in allied health, that I don't particularly agree with either. And I do think really bend the rules when it comes to um, upper regulations that I don't feel comfortable with. And I think that's making sure that, again, it comes back to our values and purpose. If it's, if it's against our values of community actually supporting and, and people first, you know, patient first mentality, then we're not going to do it you know, that's when you're going to get yourself into hot water. So it's really important that you're not only in terms of looking at the grey area of the legislation, getting back to what's your purpose and what's your values. If it doesn't align with them, don't do it. It's really quite simple on in that regard when it comes to it. But really, really nut out and look at, sit down with a marketer, um, you know, that potentially obviously specialises, someone like yourself that obviously knows a little bit of the upper regulations, does it mm, hurt? Yeah. Um, but sit down and go, hey, from a business development tactic, this is this is what is obviously working. These are the regulations, but maybe this is some of the grey area that exists and making sure that it doesn't cross those boundaries, uh, not, not only with the legislation but with your values and purpose and stuff like that as well because it's your own boundaries you're crossing there and that's when you're going to find it becomes not authentic mm-hmm. um, and I think that's and then clients are going to see that and read that they're going to see it on social media there's a lot of the um, click funnel um, <laughs> allied health practitioners or the ones that book patients in for like a 10 treatment plan that actually don't need it like you know come on guys you're in allied health for a reason if you wanted yeah. that sort of business to do a, a business on Amazon or something like that, don't don't flog unnecessary health services, in and particular that, to pensioners. That, and that's, oh, me too. And do you know what? ClickFunnels in general grinds my gears. And I have seen, for anyone that doesn't know, ClickFunnels is sort of like this sales funnel system. It's very American. It's very in your face. It's upsells, side selling. Like, you know, it's, it's full on um, and I'm really not about it, but 
If you are in allied health, I think it is really important that you are across the rules and regulations because at the end of the day, yeah, it comes down to like your personal boundaries and values, but also it's a bloody massive fine and something to be aware of and something that I have noticed as well within Adelaide Health, a lot of the time, if you get reported to APA, for example, a lot of the time it's going to be a competitor of yours or someone in the industry. So if you are crossing the line there, it's not going to be a client likely that's reporting you. It's someone that's aware of the rules and you will be caught out. So really, really important, I think, to be across everything. I am going to hit you with just a few quick fire questions before we wrap things up. So you ready? All right. Number one, if you are a service-based business needing more clients or new clients, what is the number one thing that they need to focus on to get those clients through the door? Uh, Two-pronged <laughs> part there. Um, one, if you're an existing-based business and you already have an existing client base, focus on the clients you already have. Mm-hmm. Really important if you're service-based, making sure that you're doing most job that you, if you, depending on the industry, you know, you are getting those reviews, you are doing trigger points to start that word of mouth process, whether it be actually physically or online. Really important. Now, if you don't have any, start to find ways to spread your message. Go and talk to like-minded people or potential referral partners. Get everything up and running, launch, and actually just start putting yourself out there. Have an opinion move through the things, have your days and really tell people what you're all about. Tell your story if you're in services, really important. Um, So it comes down to if you've got an existing based uh, client base, definitely work on them. Um, Most of our growth, organic growth, has actually been clients referring clients. It hasn't been people just seeing social media. I would say 80% of our organic growth, and we're talking I think 13 to 1400 clients on the accounting side has actually come from the a client referring a client. Amazing. So we're, we're at like six or seven different referral chains now, like deep um, into that process because we actually do, a, you know, I like to think we do a phenomenal job, but we are people first and we really get them to buy into our message, what we're doing for them. So what do you think they're going to talk about? They're going to talk about us when they go to barbecues and stuff like that. So that's my probably not so quick answer. No, that's great. And that's something I'm a big believer in. Focus on the current clients you have and building that referral network. Word of mouth is still the most powerful form of marketing. Now, I get the impression that you're a bit of a reader like me. Any book recommendations for us? What have you been reading lately? Um, I actually just read chapter one, which is the uh, Daniel Flynn, the co-founder of Thank You. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, I did a speaking gig and some of the people from New Zealand actually that listened, uh, sent me the book all the way from New Zealand. So it was really cool. So I just finished that one. It was a really good read. Um, and that's all about social purpose. So if anyone that's, um, in that space, really good. Um, but my number one referral recommendation, it's only cause I'm a huge believer in her is Marie Folio's Everything is Figureoutable. If you haven't oh, read it, read it. So it's good. Absolutely phenomenal. I love her. I love everything she does. I think she's fantastic. So if you live under a rock and have not come across this incredible woman, go and check out Marie TV. It's the place to be. Uh, 100%. Like, <laughs> she's just absolutely phenomenal. Like I've actually done her B-School um, as well, which is one of her programs. And 
she the way that she articulates everything she's all about mindset she explains the science behind it but she does it in her stereotypical simplified jersey jersey way and really hits home through people so she is obviously stereotypically aimed at the female entrepreneur but no matter who you are you can read her book you'll understand her language you'll understand some of the the basic science behind her concepts and absolutely phenomenal her mindset is just I wish I could implant into my brain I like to think I'm on this I'm heading towards what she's actually doing um, in my mind at the moment so biggest that's my 2020 goal for me with my mindset is to be more like her oh amazing that's I love that now where can people find more about you and your businesses Zach Perfect. So I'm, I'm Zach Hayes on Twitter, uh, HA Counting on Facebook. Um, that's generally the, the two. Oh, and LinkedIn, Zach Hayes on LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you can sort of have any conversation, happy to have any online conversation or if you are wanting, you know, that overall arching either business development or accounting, you know, tax minimization or systems and structure, um, you know, certainly feel free to reach out. Or from the podiatry side, I'm not actually a podiatrist, so don't call me to touch your feet. <laughs> um, but the travelling podiatrist on Facebook in particular, um, if you are in northeast Victoria or the southern New South Wales, we've got a lot of locations across there that you that we can book in to see the team, uh, particularly if you're in a regional area, do let us know if there's a, there is a need and... Um, yeah, we can certainly have that conversation because I think we're opening up in another clinic in another month or two in a new area. So always happy to have a conversation online um, and start start from there. But I'm also writing some blogs. That's my mission this year on LinkedIn and we'll be sharing them on our website, the, the bwc.com.au as well. Fantastic. And I will pop all of those details and links in the show notes for this episode. Zach, thank you so much for your time today. There are so many gold nuggets in there. Thank you. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Sonia. Much appreciated. You've been listening to the Marketing Solutions Podcast with Sonia McIntyre-Reed. Don't forget to get your hands on our awesome freebies that will get you on your way to marketing success. Head to kissmarketing.com.au forward slash free.